0: You live from Race City, USA. It's Blind Spotting, the NASCAR
1: podcast from a fresh, personal, and blue collar take. Race reviews, race previews, the latest news, and more. And now, your hosts, Michael Colbert, Andrew Coates, and Travis Cheryl.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Blind Spotting episode 101 as it is and I am here in the Cottle Creek compound Travis Sherrill alongside my co-hosts Andrew Coates and Michael Colbreth. and boys as we sit here uh, on this Sunday January 28th we are exactly one week from the start of the 2024 NASCAR season Uh, I know there's a little football going on right now but uh How's it going, boys? And are you ready to go racing?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, when is the clash? Clash um, is
0: next Sunday. Next, next Sunday, Sunday so. and
2: Andrew is going to be there. Yes, I'm going to be there. Yes. We're gonna happy. We're happy for him being able to do that. Uh, are we a little jealous? Yes. Yeah, a little bit. I, uh, oh no, no, we don't nah. care about going. We'd love to be there. But at least we have a representative. Yeah of blind spotting going. So, yeah, we're doing okay, Travis.
0: Yeah, so tonight we are pleased to be joined by Colin Garrett. And uh, for some of you, uh, that name may be a little familiar. He's done a little Xfinity, a little truck series racing. uh, And he's going to join us tonight to uh, talk about his career. And, uh, Colin, thanks for joining us. And uh, hope you're doing well. I know you mentioned before you're a Lions fan, so good luck to them tonight. But, Kind of take us through the start of your racing career. I find it interesting. You didn't really start racing until you were 15 years old?
3: Yeah, thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, 15 years old, or 14, I guess, is the year I turned 15. Yeah, it was super late. It wasn't, you know, the conventional path that most people go through, you know, when they start when they're four or five and go-karts, so it was uh, quite a late start. It's something that is, I had always loved and uh grew up watching NASCAR and uh, always wanting to be a NASCAR driver but I didn't really get to start pursuing that uh path until uh way later than the most.
1: I know you first started uh racing like modifieds I believe at South Boston is is that where uh that's where you started and, and ran a first full season there in what 2015 is that right?
3: Yeah, so I started off in uh in Pierce Stocks. They were like uh, You cars i don't know what you have around you they call it something different basically everywhere and then moved into limited late models um the next year yeah so it was kind of weird so like starting off in those pure stock cars you know they're just street cars and uh they're not really made to go in circles (laughs) so it was it's difficult trying to learn how to do that as well as learning how to like race at the same time so uh we didn't really know quite what i could do yet until i got to the uh into the limited car the next year my pure stock car it was it was a piece of crap we bought it from an older gentleman who just kind of been racing for fun ended up being needed to be uh completely rebuilt and everything and uh so we didn't get to i did not actually get to race until the next year really so once i got into a into a limited late model though it it all kind of clicked and uh, it still took a year over a year before i got my first win but it um you know it started making sense and we finished on the podium a couple times that year. So
2: it's a pure stock that's we've been a couple of times to Bowman Gray Stadium in Winston Salem, and this reminds me of that fourth race. Yeah. where they run the Pintos and the Gremlins and the um, just whatever you have sitting <laughs> in the if backyard. You bring it and it's got a roll you, cage, right? So I, I guess that's kind of what a pure stock because it's no there's no modifications. It's just pure like something you would drive off the lot. But twenty years later after it drove off the lot is that what a, kind of a pure stock is
3: essentially yeah it was a nissan 240sx mm. and oh. yeah yeah so like by the rules it didn't really matter it needed to be rear-wheel drive i think mm. and i uh, had a few other specifications that it needed to be to make the pure stock class but for some reason the nissan 240sx every generation of it basically s13 s14 s15 everyone just fell in love with that car and that became like the car that you had to have to compete in that class Hmm. so um now you can't find like if you want a street 240s i mean they're super sought after performance cars from the 90s and now they're just clapped out in this general area because everyone's raced them at south boston Hmm. orange county
2: yeah so so just going going back and rewinding just a second what are you doing at 12 13 14 years old And then, how does it go? All of a sudden, I'm I'm interested in racing. Like, what what were you doing, and then what caused that transition? What what lit the spark for you at that young age? What can you just tell us a little about that?
3: Yeah. So, growing up, none of my family really cared about NASCAR at all. Uh, It wasn't really a thing that they had any remotely interest in it like my dad works in south boston virginia i grew up in south boston obviously so he knew like ward and jeff burton and those guys and know their families really well and but he still like it just wasn't wasn't of any interest of him so we, we still don't know like where i got the love for racing from it was a thing like i was probably five or six or something when i first started like really loving it and our best guess is that our babysitter down the road when i'd go over to her house we had watch nascar with her family you know they're a nice southern family and they'd watch <laughs> watch uh nascar on sunday afternoon so that's kind of our best guess on, on where it came from <laughs> But it doesn't make sense because they were Tony Stewart fans, and I was a huge Jeff Gordon fan, so I don't know Oh, there you what, go. Huh? What
2: happened I like there. you that much better yeah. now, Colin.
1: Oh, well, we'll forgive yeah. certain things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're just kidding. I yeah, was a Stewart fan, probably. and Michael here is a Gordon fan, so that's, that's funny how that works.
3: It is. It is really funny. Yeah, I, that, that's our best guess on on how that occurred. I would go to school when I was... You know, and I remember vividly in, like, first grade. Uh, do you guys remember those NASCAR uh, Illustrated, like, the big books you'd get? Oh, like, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would carry one to school, like, every day with me. <laughs> and uh, I would sit there, at, you know before the bell rang or whatever at the end of the day and I'd sit there and look at the exact same book um, you know every day and uh, I think the one i take to school was like NASCAR 07 Illustrated 07 or something like that and I got every year until I stopped doing them then they started making like the little ones um, in like 2011 and then I just stopped getting them after that cause they weren't worth
1: it. So Colin how, how did you go from just enjoying the sport being a big fan as a kid like how do you convince mom and dad to let you go racing in high school?
3: <laughs> so in 2000, say, 10, 11, something like that, I heard of a kid that had been racing at Orange County um, Speedway, and he was, like, 11 years old or something. And I assume, you know, he's probably racing pure socks or uh, limiteds or something like that. I think we were there, and I heard about it. I didn't, you know, I just kind of caught it off somebody saying that. And I was like, oh, that's, that seems cool. And I remember my parents were out at a work meeting one night, and I was... Uh, they just like left me at his office that was like two doors down from where they were having dinner. And I sat there scrolling the internet and I was like, I'm going to look up a race car or something. We're going to go race in Orange County. I just got this, <laughs> you know, got this idea. <laughs> and so I started like scrolling eBay or something and I found this collapsed out late model and I have no idea, you know, whose it was or whatever, but try to com- convince my parents to get it. They obviously were not with that idea. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah so a couple of years later we started going to south boston speedway way more often and nascar then lowered the age the minimum age to 14 i think that was in around 2014 area 2013 2014 so i somehow convinced my dad kind of i i guess i convinced my mom first i was like oh you know they lowered the age we should look at getting a race car or something she's like oh that'd be cool and i had hmm. to be a mutual friend that uh mom was cool kind with it, that's, it. Yeah, that's good yeah yeah. i had a guy that worked at south Austin on a pure stock team actually and i texted him i was like hey do you know anyone selling a car and he's like as a matter of fact i do there's a guy in danville that's got one and uh i was like all right and so i tried to convince my parents mom said yes dad was like i am not doing that at all <laughs> like there's just no shot And finally, Mom was like, why don't you just go look at it? Like, just make him happy. Just go look at it and just see how it goes. Like, we don't have to do it by any means. And she regrets saying that with everything in her heart to this day (laughs) because we go to look at it. And sure enough, you know, he's like, all right, we'll get it and uh that kind of was the beginning of the end there we have not had a normal weekend since but i remember vividly we were sitting um it was like the last day of eighth grade and we were in our gymnasium getting ready to get released to class or something and uh i remember telling one of my friends i was like i'm gonna race to south boston next year and he was like no you're not (laughs) And uh, sure enough we ended up doing it and here we are today so
2: that's cool. We've never been to. I've never been to South Boston. Have either one of you guys been up there? No. No. I have not. No. I'm, I, yeah.
1: I remember they used to run Xfinity races there in the eighties and nineties. Mm-hmm.
2: We should try to do that instead. Since we're not going to go to an SRX race this year, yeah, we maybe, should do that. Uh, throw yeah. South Boston. Uh, how? How um, did I really say Boston? Yes, she you did, did Boston. Boston. <laughs> I am from Mooresville. I'm not from Massachusetts. So maybe we yeah we'll throw that in. So let's kind of fast forward to. Well, not really fast forward, but around, around 2017, you were the you won the limited. How elated must you have been? What was that? What was that experience like? And then what did that you know springboard you into next? What was what was uh, just kind of walk us through through that year maybe, and and what that championship meant to you?
3: Yeah, so 2016, I ran the limited sportsman deal at South Boston, and it was all right. In between the winter of 2016 2017, I'd been. Racing with Sellers Racing. I don't know if you know Peyton Sellers and mm-hmm. uh, those mm-hmm. guys. Uh, yeah. So Peyton was kind of my childhood hero growing up, obviously, uh, growing up at South Austin and going to watch him on the weekends. And so I was getting to race with these guys. It was you know kind of a dream come true at this point but still like i was still in the learning process i didn't have my crew chief was he was good but he was kind of young didn't have the knowledge and experiences um some guys so hc sellers who's the brother peyton sellers and kind of runs the race team there he got the idea to call frank denny jr i don't know if you know that name but he uh big late model guy back in the day and now he's actually uh a big spotter for colleague racing. He spots full time for uh, I guess last year's Danger. This year he'll be with um, whoever's All-Star in that 16 car. car. Yeah, yeah. car. yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. All Star car and uh, Shane SVG will call. It, I don't know. It's Shane Ben Gisbergen and whatever. But anyway, so he came in and he was my uh, he was my crew chief and spotter and driver coach and everything. He basically took over the whole program and uh, started helping us out and self also just repaved the racetrack and which was perfect for me that didn't have much of experience of anything. Cause I could just drive it however I wanted to. And it seemed fast. And Frank could, uh, Frank could kind of teach me his way of driving, which was just bearing it off in the corner and getting back on the throttle as quick as possible. So, uh, we started doing that. And, uh, before we got to the, or when we got to the first race, We ended up being like three times faster than the whole field that day. Yeah. So it was was super cool. It just kind of everything seemed to click rather than an old asphalt deal, you know. So did that. I didn't win the race for like three weeks in a row. Like I just didn't know how to like pass cars. We'd have like a late race restart and, you know, I just get kind of shuffled back and I couldn't pass a car and then I'd end up wrecking myself or whatever, just because I didn't quite get the concept yet. And uh, finally, Frank would, you know, talk me through it and we got through it and uh, we ended up winning a bunch of races and we won the championship that year. So it was uh, it was super big. I mean, that only being my third year racing ever to go that far and to win a championship um, for sellers racing, too. I mean, it it was really cool. So,
2: yeah, sounds like Um, everything came together at the right time.
3: Yeah, 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 for sure. And then we ended up going to Martinsville and a few other big races at the end of the year and DNQ'd for Martinsville and Myrtle Beach. I missed my sister's wedding to go to Myrtle Beach and literally was <laughs> oh in a yard. Uh, wow. Yeah, dude, I was like in fifth place in the heat race. I mean, I was in the race and uh coming to coming to checkered in the uh, in the heat race and I can't remember who it was. He sailed it so far down into turn three and hits my left rear quarter and just sends me. And like we were, both of us were plenty good in the race and he just launches me and I finished like 11th or something like that coming to check. And I was like, dude, we were both in the race. Why would you just right. be an idiot like that? So yeah, so that kind of sucked. But
2: <laughs> um, and this was still the late model sportsman series or the limited. That l-
3: was, that was full blown late models actually okay. that year. Well, okay. So, gotcha. All right. um, Oh man, I forget so much about 2017 because I also ran a bunch of late model races up at Dominion that year, and uh, I won I won a race there. Got a couple poles and stuff. So yeah, it's all kind of coming back. I've I've done a lot.
1: Yeah, so. that, it's amazing how yeah, it's not that long ago, but it's a long time ago.
2: Exactly, yeah, six exactly, years so. ago, five six years. Is it is it? Is it, it is 2024. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. 24
3: seven
2: years ago now yeah yeah so
1: so jumping ahead a little bit from a guy who'd never sat in a race car uh in 2015 to in 2019 having an xfinity offer and then in 2020 running you know for sam hunt racing i mean that's a pretty quick ascendancy talk talk us through what what was it like getting to race in the xfinity and the truck series and you know, I know those are limited opportunities, but they were great ones. I mean, what what was that like from from somebody who had never sat in a race car when they were freshmen in high school, probably to you know being on a national touring series?
3: Yeah, it's actually. I was just thinking about this. Um, I went by the Sam Hunt Racing Shop last Friday, Thursday, Friday, something like that, and uh, I was walking through there, and I was like, "Damn, it's crazy how far this place has come since right. you know when when we kind of started it." six years ago now or five years and that's right in mooresville
1: over by the dragway that's here in i think sam hunts in mooresville yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
3: yeah yeah yeah, It was uh it was over by the dragway in the drag strip park there and now it's uh now it's back over by i don't know really how to by padula construction and all that back oh okay sure yeah 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 so yeah so going through there is like holy crap it it is just crazy that I made my first Xfinity start when I was 18 years old, mm. and I made my first ever race start when I was, you know, 14. So, you know, in four years I went from racing pure stocks to, to that. That's amazing. To that, yeah. Incredible. So, yeah. so yeah, where it kind of started was, you know, we went K and N racing. Sam Hunt Racing was actually out of the Sellers Racing shop. So I think since 2015 or 2016, I'm racing K and N out of there. So, sure, and like it made sense just to race for Sam Hunt Racing and. K&N because it was right there out of the same shop so we were doing that and running full time out of Danville Virginia wasn't quite it in K&N like those cars they were kind of high tech quote unquote enough that you needed to be down in Mooresville like you just needed Mm. that knowledge you needed the people like everything for that so we ended up moving the program down there um actually to the back of the Robert Yates Racing Engines shop um, oh yeah, in mid 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 2018. So, When we did that. We started doing everything. We did K N. We um, ran K N out of actually the next year. We ran out of like off axis racing. Rhett Jones Racing. We ran out of Brian Kozlowski's shop, uh, which is actually the late Bob Kozlowski's shop too. We ran out of everywhere. It's kind of we ran out of, uh, the Bassett's Dylan and uh, Ronnie Bassett's shop it was kind of crazy there for a bit, but yeah, so we were running K&N, and it just, it wasn't it, like, we were kind of all over the place with it, and we, the year before in 2018, we had, we had the people, but we didn't really have the equipment, and I didn't have the knowledge, and in 2019, we had the equipment, but we didn't have the people, so it was just kind of a cluster every week, and at the, End of twenty nineteen, or kind of like the midway twenty nineteen, we're like we're spending so much to go can and racing right now, it doesn't make sense. And mm. we can go Xfinity racing for almost the same price and make an insane amount of more. Like I made six hundred bucks to finish in third at a can and race at South Boston one weekend, like wow. six hundred bucks. Wow. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> that probably for doesn't pay your fuel bill.
3: Uh, no, well actually, thankfully NASCAR Snoco is free, so oh, that's it is one okay. great thing. However, it pays for like. One tire. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It wasn't mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So we decided to go Xfinity racing, and Sam had had a relationship with Joe Gibbs Racing. I think his father had been JD's football coach growing up. Yeah, like in high school or college or something like that. So they had connection there. That's where Sam had gotten most of his cane and equipment from. Was from Gibbs when they shut down that program. So Gibbs actually, I think don't quote me on this. I think Joe actually came to the Sam Hunt racing hauler in 2019 at Iowa and presented this idea to Sam. And that's kind of where it started from. It was like, Hey, why Hmm. don't you do this? We'll build your engines, give you some sport and stuff. So we went Xfinity racing and, uh, kind of put everything into that, into that race. We went to Homestead at the end of the year and, it was all or nothing we if we missed the race sam hunt racing was going to shut down and sam was going to go work a uh, a white shirt job in at gibbs or somewhere at the, on monday or if we made it sam hunt racing was going to exist for you know the next the foreseeable future so we go out and qualify like 14th or 15th like that and sam said he about threw up when that happened because like we were in the show and his dream got to live on so it was uh it was really cool I yeah. say, so what's
1: that pressure like for you i mean you're a young kid like yeah everybody's on a team but let's be honest there's one guy turning the wheel and putting the lap down i mean what's that like when you roll off pit road knowing you got one shot that has a whole big <laughs> impact on a whole bunch of people
3: Oh yeah, so um Cole Custer sent me his notes from the year before from Homestead. And I had been reading those things religiously, like, all right, so this is where I live, this is everything like you know, I just I had it memorized, this is this is what I need to do to qualify into this race. I obviously had Joe Gibbs racing engines in the car, like right. we had a good car and we uh were sitting at the end and because we were a brand new car, we were like the second car to roll out of qualifying. And uh, the first car was BJ McLeod, right? And he rolls out, and you know it was it's the one lap qualifying kind of shootout deal. So he, uh, I'm sitting there kind of going through the notes in my head, thinking about it. And he comes by me and coming down the front stretch into turn one. And in my head, I'm like, okay, we need to lift a, like the one, start getting into it about like mid corner about this scene. I watch BJ come by me and drive about ten car lengths past that one sign, and I was like, holy shit I was, like, <laughs> I was like I don't know if we're going to make this race or not because <laughs> I was like I don't know if I can do that and uh, so I just got to roll out there best I could and uh, I just kind of sent it I didn't know what I was doing it was my first time on a mile mm. and a half like that yeah. and uh, we just kind of sent it and somehow ended up in the show but it was so nerve wracking because this is one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm out on track and no one has a radio on and no one talks to me and uh Uh so i come in i'm like how was that and everyone's just kind of like oh like there's there's no communication so i'm like oh my god we're gonna miss this show and so i get out and i'm like wigging out i'm like what's the deal here and they're like i i think we're in and uh sure enough we we were in (laughs) so it was it was big yeah
1: now tell us about going from south boston so racing Xfinity at Daytona, I mean, what what do you have to do to be, like, I, I think that they require you to have enough track time on bigger ovals before they even let you try to attempt at Daytona, right? Had, had your experience at Homestead and other places given you that already, or did you have to do additional additional qualification for NASCAR to be able to run at Daytona?
3: Yeah, so I actually forget. I always think that Homestead was my first Xfinity race and my first kind of big race. I raced Xfinity at Richmond earlier that year with uh, Carl Long. Yeah, I completely forget about that sometimes because the Sam hunt deal, you know, I was with my guys, you know, kind of a a bigger deal because the Richmond race with Carl Long was to get me approved. That was like the whole deal with that. So I went and ran Richmond with Carl Long. And uh, we actually had a pretty good run going. And then the pit crew put my right side tires on my left and oh, my left no. side on my right. So, yeah, we ended up going three laps down. And that was in stage three uh, where you don't have another caution. That's or, right. You, if know, it, you can ride natural. it out in yeah. stage
1: one maybe, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. But we, went, we were actually running like top 20, and then we were three laps down at the end of that. So it <laughs> wasn't great. And then I went to... Where'd I go? I ran for Nice Motorsports, actually. That was that year, Rochester State won a bunch of races. We went to them thinking that was going to be great. I'm not going to go into too much detail about that, but there were some issues. And uh, But we went to Vegas that year with them, and uh, that was to get approved. And then I ran Homestead, and that gave me so, like, those three races got
1: approval to prove it'll go to Daytona. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. So, Colin, our podcast is called Blind Spotting because I am visually impaired and, well, it's a play on words kind of NASCAR yeah. teams need spotters. I have to know, though, you are the first driver and I think the only driver to this point to have a Braille paint scheme. Can you take our listeners through how that happened? And I want to know, is there a die cast of that? Because I want one. No, there's not a
3: diecast, but I wish we could, I mean, that's a good idea. <laughs> we should maybe do that. That was my third to last, I guess. Yeah, that was my third to last expending uh, start at Daytona. Yeah, so the 1111 Veteran Project, we all about access for veterans. And not even necessarily veterans, it's just everybody. Everybody needs access to whatever that may be. And we had been working with a company called accessibility at the time. I think they're maybe out of like Israel and... Uh, they worked with like getting websites and stuff like that. I don't want to say eligible, but, uh, approved for, you know, blind users and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So through that, we met this gentleman. His name is Hobie, uh, Wedler. He is a blind chemist and, uh, like shepherd, I think something like that. And so we worked with him with this and we ended up, uh, coming out and, uh, had a, braille paint scheme so everything was still the same on the car however we had braille on each of the uh on letters on my numbers and my name uh on the passenger door was all braille and uh so we flew hobie out to the uh out to the daytona race and he is like 100 percent blind and was walking around and he was just you know experiencing everything for the first time and like going to a nascar race i mean it's kind of overwhelming for the first time down in the down in the garage area sure. and i can't even imagine to be blind and not even being able to see what's going on so it was really cool and we had you know our decal guys when they printed this we're like okay i guess i'm that that seems right like it looks good and so when he came over to you know actually read it for the first time i was like all right that's you know, he actually read he's like, Oh, Colin mm. Garrett and then he mm. could like feel the twenty six out of it. It was, yeah, it was really cool. So
0: that's really cool. Wow.
2: That's a neat story. Jumping off of the question that Travis just asked, you have displayed a lot of advocacy for veterans, accessibility for disabled individuals, uh, support for small businesses. That seems very unique to your sponsorship history and your part and your you know your people that you race for, uh, race to support. What underlies? Where does that come from? Where does that uh, particularly the military aspect of that? What's what's underneath the surface that that we don't see that we don't know about that kind of kind of drives those partnerships, if you will.
3: Yeah. So I uh, I've had a family member in every major U.S. conflict, uh, all the way back to like the Revolutionary War. Oh, wow. wow. You're like so, Lieutenant
1: Dan from Forrest Gump.
3: Yeah, essentially. exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I've had a family member in, like, basically everything. And uh, my brothers, they are actually my half-brothers on my mom's side. Uh, their dad, he was a United States Army Ranger um, in the 10th Mountain Division oh, and like, wow. everything. So, you know, they were all interested into the military. And obviously, being their younger brother and growing up with them, I followed suit. So that was, like our whole childhood was military stuff and whatever so uh both my grandfathers were also in the military um on actually you could say all four because my both my parents uh were divorced or whatever so they uh they whatever you know said had different grandfathers everywhere so it uh it's kind of like a thing so yeah so as far as like veteran veteran, uh, resources and stuff that guys need. Like we see it firsthand with everybody in my family. And then also just being around South Boston, Virginia, I mean, there's a whole bunch of veterans, uh, even there. And I was kind of supporting veterans before I even knew I was supporting veterans. You know, when I first started my racing career, I partnered up with a company called Mission 22 and they're, you know, obviously it's, you know, 22 veterans, uh, a day take their lives and that was their whole mission was to stop that was stop veteran suicide well later on in i think early 2019 we learned of a company that was in in the south boston area of virginia international raceway called Race for heroes and i ended up uh partnering with them that year and it's run by a bunch of uh, special forces guys united states army special forces and they are what they do is they try to stop veteran suicide through motorsports therapy, essentially. So they will have guys who are getting out of the military, you know, just they're not, they don't know what they're gonna do. They don't have the family environment anymore. And still, uh, they try to get them to come, come to the shop and just hang out for, you know, a little bit, you know, sweep the floors or something and just try to get them back back acclimated with like the brotherhood deal. So, um, Hmm. guys will come in and they're just super quiet at first. And then, you know, a month in they're like, you know, just hanging out They're One of the guys and they, you know, they kind of find their purpose again, where a lot of guys struggle with that, you know, when they get out, they just don't have anybody. So we partnered up with the racing for heroes that year, had them basically solely on the car, um, at most races. And then later on in the year, we started partnering up with more companies called the Rosie network was another major one. That was, um, that was that year too. And, uh, the list can go on and on and on forever. It, it started growing rapidly, especially in 2022 and, or sorry, in 2020. And it just got kind of crazy. We couldn't have everyone on the car, uh, every week. And, you know, it just like, I, how are we going to promote this kind of like evenly? So what we ended up doing was we made the 11-11 Veteran Project, um, which 11-11 is Veterans Day. Right. And, uh, so we did that and it kind of became a, uh, a one-stop shop for like for veterans or even active military. Like, what do you need? And we can send you where you need to go. So we're kind of like the hotel liaison. It's like, all right, what do you need? Hmm. This is where you go. So we're, if you need, like, if you're getting out of the military, you will to learn, uh, you know. Things about computers or tech or something we have tech for troops so come to us we'll send you tech for trips if you need a uh if you need a service dog we'll send you america's that dogs. So if you need to get back in the brother brotherhood and you like race cars raise your hands if you're trying to start a business the rosie network just you know it, go, it goes on and on and on with our list of people that we work with so that we can just send you wherever you need to go so
2: well, that's that's we ha- we have veterans and military folks that listen to the show, so I'm sure they'll be yeah just delighted and, and fascinated to to hear that uh, aspect of what you do. And thank you for doing that. Um, that's a, yeah, it's yeah. an often forgotten about segment of our population, and especially guys that are returning from active duty. They just kind of yeah, they miss that. I've never served, but just you you read and you hear things and you watch documentaries that it's just the acclimation is very tough. So. Yeah, thank you for recognizing an, an area of need and and doing your best to to make sure that those uh, those guys hooked into to things that they need to be hooked in. So so thank thank you for doing that. That's that's awesome. So we've talked about NASCAR, the three series, but most recently you've been racing in other forms of motorsports. And I've this past weekend, a lot of people watching the twenty four hours, the the Rolex twenty four. At Daytona, And I'm looking at those cars and thinking, okay, these are the types of cars that Colin has been racing re- frequently uh, and actually in 2023, named as one of the top 25 drivers worldwide in the BMW family. So take us, if you can, take us from the transition from NASCAR, what I would call American racing, to more of the European style racing that we actually are seeing more and more of in america if that if that makes sense kind of walk us through that transition
3: yeah yeah for sure and uh that's always the big question is like how did you go from this to this yep and uh it's funny because like we said i didn't really grow up racing i didn't grow up in a racing family so i didn't have like a direct route or like vision of like i have to go nascar racing i mean kind of like i jeff gordon was my big hero but that's what I always wanted to do but it wasn't like I have to do this because my grandfather raced NASCAR and stuff like that so so I was sitting at home one night watching tv and I think I was just scrolling through and I saw like formula one practice was on and this is probably 2014 2015 or something like that and sure enough, it ended up being the Formula One in Abu Dhabi. And it was like the practice session or something like that. And there's a documentary called One Afterwards. And it just basically goes over the history of Formula One. Well, watched all that. I ended up falling in love with Formula One. I started learning more about that, learning about you know rally, learning about sports cars. We have Virginia International Raceway that's right by the road uh, or right by the house and uh, down the road and we have uh imsa that would come there right and so we would go see that stuff all the time as i kind of grew more and more uh interested in it and probably by about 2017 2017 we'll say i was like i was in it i got a dog and named it hamilton after lewis hamilton that's my boy yeah yeah i was walking around i mean you could probably say like when i was at south Speed speedway in 2017 i would probably look like a prick i was in like full white fire suit, white, uh, white shoes that had like the white JBL headphones on. Like I thought I was Lewis Hamilton. Like I had the sports car look, um, at South Boston (laughs) Speedway, which is, you know, not the, not the home track, uh, look. And, uh, like that's just it started becoming just like kind of who I was. That's everything. I breathed formula one. And so coming through the years when I went to K and N, we ended up road course racing. I ended up being kind of terrible at it and uh we worked up with it a little bit more and my dad had a friend who he started ever jones with he's a financial advisor with edward jones right? oh, okay. and yeah so his friends they started together and he was like i think he races something like mustangs or so. i don't know and i was like oh, okay well, whatever and we ended up going and seeing him my dad hadn't seen him in probably five years or so and we ended up going and meeting him for lunch one day and he uh he raced BMWs and, you know, just kind of cool. He, uh, he was going pro racing, I think that year. And we ended up going to watch them at VIR. And then we ended up being at New Jersey Motorsports Park together when we were racing the Canaan stuff. Um, so he came over and watched us a little bit as cool as whatever, like nothing really came out of it. It was just like another contact. Well, fast forward to 2021 i'm sitting in my morrisville apartment and i'm scrolling through facebook i guess and i uh, i'd ran some like chump cars and stuff champ car series endurance races at vir there's nothing like serious it's just kind of fun and one of the people from one of those uh groups posted like hey we're looking for somebody to come run a audi tcr car at wherever and i was like oh that seems cool and so i messaged him i was like hey man i'm interested in you know learn more about this you know let me know this is my background you know at this time i've been racing xfinity trucks whatever and so we ended up talking on the phone for a while ended up i couldn't race that race uh that any drivers for but he was like you know keeping in mind if we if we need a driver again i was like cool fast forward a few more months uh, it's probably november area october november and uh this guy calls us again and he's like, Hey, I just gotten two BMW GT4 cars. Do you wanna come run Coda with us? Daniel Suarez will be your teammate. And I was like, Wow. Oh yeah, I do. Okay. that would be that'd be cool. Like that and my thinking at the time was NASCAR is going to Coda this year. I think it would be the first time in mm. 2022. So I, I was like, I'm gonna go to Coda, get some extra practice in case I end up getting a full time drive, that kind of deal. Like I was, you know, still on the NASCAR kind of mindset and um so go to kota i'm way out of my comfort zone i'm like what is happening right now i went from a steering wheel that had a radio switch and a kill switch on it to a steering wheel with like 58 buttons on i was like what is happening and uh they're going through the car and they're like there's all these buttons on the dash and stuff that you got to click when you start the car and i was mind blown (laughs) but Yeah, I didn't know what was happening, but we showed up the next day and we, I walk in the garage and I look beside us and lo and behold, who do we see end up being my dad's best friend of like 40 years, Todd Brown of Rooster Hall racing, who I hadn't seen now in about five years. And, uh, I was like, well, Hey, how's it going? And he's like, what are you doing here? I was like, Oh, I don't really know. Like I'm just, you know, making squiggly circles. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he was like, oh, cool. And, you know, we kind of, you know, kept in touch throughout the weekend, but went our separate ways at the end. And a few weeks later, he calls us and he was like, hey, we're going to PVOC. It's just some club deal down in uh, Breeze, Florida. Do you want to come run our BMW M2 for a few days? And I was like, sure, why not? I'm just keep me in the seat while we figure out what I'm doing for NASCAR. And probably halfway through the weekend, they were like, this kid is actually not terrible at road courses and uh once i actually figured out that it was just the actual car that i could drive and uh they kind of got a bunch of people together and they're like we should take this kid road course racing this year it's a fraction of the budget compared to nascar so it made just more sense rather than running you know five or six Xfinity races and a few other late model races here and there i could run a full season at something and like you know go for a championship
1: that's great so i think you won seven races in 2022 and finished second and six races last year and won the title. Uh, yeah, congratulations. Yeah. What What are your plans Thank for you. this coming year?
3: I have absolutely zero clue. It's uh, we're <laughs> well, coming up nice on and February honest. now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, I have a ton of offers, but offers in motorsports means they want you to bring money. So they're like, "Hey, we want you to come drive our car, but you know, bring us money." So right, right now we're struggling a lot with sponsorship. Can't really you know, get, it's, it's so difficult. We've got a few deals we're working on that hopefully it'll come together. And I've got some even bigger names that are wanting me to come drive for them this year. I mean, I have freaking we'll call them offers. I guess we have, uh, proposals we'll say, you know, just everywhere. And I could kind of take my pick right now in the, in the GT4 world. And, uh, any direction I go is probably going to be a good one, but it's just a matter of getting, getting sponsorship down. So I have one, one deal right now that i'm super super hopeful it happens but we'll see it'd be pretty big for my career and uh but we'll see so is it what you've
2: been doing or what you used to do
3: uh it'll be what i what i'm still doing so uh in the sports car world yeah so i was trying to go back nascar racing uh this year but ended up just way things are going it, it's too late now to to do a full deal with that i'm not too interested in doing the nascar thing like i was the five six races thing that sucked we showed yeah. up to the track and you know may and these guys have been racing since february and it's yeah. like all right well i gotta get you know kind of up the speed here and then i wouldn't show back up again till august i'm like all right well i gotta figure this out And then I wouldn't get back in the car till November. I mean, it just sucked. Like every week, like the first stage was trying to play catch up. And by then everyone kind of settled into their spots where they're going to race for the rest of the race. And then I'm still, you know, trying to learn everything. And by the time I learn, it's like, well, you know, I'm, 25th now, let me see if I can get up to, like, 15th. And where, if I'd been on it, we could probably finish, like, 10th, you know. And it's so hard to pass at those mile and a half and stuff, so.
1: And, um, and I think it's hard, too. Like, NASCAR's kind of caught in a bind, right? So they've limited practice and testing to try and control costs for the smaller Xfinity truck teams, right? But the problem yep. is, now you don't have testing and, <laughs> and practice to figure things out. And so when you're putting together a five, six, seven driver lineup, like... You're already shot in the foot because those guys get twenty minutes of practice. You know, you get twenty minutes of practice qualify, and then it's the race, right? And dude, some places well, you don't even get practice.
3: Yeah, so like I, uh, when I was at um, Sam Hunt, there, most of our races were doing COVID. Yeah, I didn't so get you got, got nothing practice. Right. I would do. We roll out to like Darlington, and it's like, well, <laughs> I've never seen this place before in my life, and we're about to figure this out. We're going green. So, like, did you do any eye racing was to wild. try and
1: figure that out, or? Yeah, I
3: would, but still, it's just not the same. Like, it is you not the same to cannot yeah. figure it out. Yeah, especially a place uh, like that. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up like um, Sam Hunt Racing. They've obviously had a super good relationship with TRD Toyota Racing Development for the last four years or something now. So in 2021, I got to go over to TRD up in Salisbury and run on their uh, run on their sims Sim. up there. Nice. Yeah. So it was it was awesome. We rolled into Michigan. Uh, I actually drove it like that morning or the day before or something like that. I can't remember. And then, you know, I was on track the, you know, that day or the next day. And it was like, man, this is like legit what it's like, but obviously I couldn't do that every week. The cup guys kind of take priority and I wasn't a full-time guy. So it was a little more difficult for me to get on that, but it, uh, it helped a lot for when I went there and uh, it, it was cool. I think we were running <laughs> Michigan's actually funny. So uh, you know, the Burton star from South Boston, Jeb and I um, were pretty good friends, I guess you could say. So whenever we're at the racetrack, you know, we we give our, each other banter and he comes by me. I'm running like 11th. We've been strung out forever at this point. I think this is during the third. Yes, during the third stage, we're coming to like 10 to go or something like that. And my man comes by me. He's laughing at me and he throws me a deuce out the window. I'm like, OK, whatever. And he, uh, about like three laps later, he runs out of fuel on the back stretch.
1: <laughs> I remember so, that race. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah. So I'm running like 11th at this time and it just ruins our deal. We have like a million green, white checkers and Bubba Wallace. I mean, like, like him or hate him, whatever. Like he's been around the sport forever. He's a damn good driver, Brett Moffat, all those guys. Like these guys with experience, yeah, they, they know how to
1: the get it done. That's right.
3: Yeah. So we're in the restarts and they just school me on these restarts. Like, because we went caution like right after the start, but like they would get the spots immediately. Right. And, uh, I, dude, I was just like, what is happening? They would, we'd go green and they're like up the middle between cars. I'm like, how are you even sitting up there? <laughs> so it, it was crazy, man. I watched Bubba mm. and Brett like uh, bumper to bumper do that. I was like, it's crazy. So I lost spots there. And then we're coming back. We have another green-white checkered, and we're ripping the top on, like, the last lap. And Tommy Joe Martins is right in front of me, and we're still around, you know, top 15. We could probably finish top 10 here if we rip the top pretty good and uh tommy joe gets loose in front of me and he's kind of like one lane below me and he shoots up in front of me and i have to slam on brakes to not hit him right and a whole bunch of guys go by us and we finish 20 so it's like uh, oh my god
2: that's the so worst So it's just
3: like yeah it's just like races like that man like i don't get to do it like the next week and stuff. so it just sucked every time mm-hmm. you had have a good run going just something like that would happen darlington I've never had a stage one at Donington that went well at all. <laughs> I've had, I have had the first time I went, which was the first race back from COVID. We went down into the, uh, on the initial start and I lost breaks like immediately. And not a, uh, yeah. not a good feeling.
1: No. Yeah, 180 yeah, no, miles an hour into the corner
3: yeah yeah so i went down to turn three just pedal to the floor nothing clobber the fence my radio also wasn't working so i come back down pit road i can't tell them what's wrong Ugh. so the pit crew guys have just seen me clobber the fence they think you know right front's blown out whatever they're coming uh, down to the, they're coming to change tire and i'm waving out the window i'm like get out of the way because i cannot stop and finally the crew chief he's like are your brakes out and i like give him a thumbs up out the window they push me back to the garage we uh, we start working on the car, and they're trying to pull the uh, the bleeder valve out, and it ends up snapping in there. And then they're trying to get the tool to uh, pull the bleeder out, and that ends up breaking in there as well Well ended up (laughs) breaking like perfectly enough that it held pressure and so my pedal like worked again so I'm like we've got pressure and crew chief's like is it gonna hold to the mechanic he's like Mm. I guess and so (laughs) we roll back out there (laughs) yeah we roll back out there and I start you know back in the back we're like 30 laps down but uh we go back out there dude I finished like 13th on track and it's like fuck dude if this had gone like well like that would have been awesome for our first race back from COVID. Like it, it was going to be awesome. Right. And then the next time I go to Darlington, I'm like, all right, we know we're good. We've got, you know, we've learned a whole bunch since we've last been here. They've ran like two other races since then. Um, the team has. So we've got a lot of knowledge. We've got a good car. Everything's going well, Dude. I ran over a screwdriver that came out of someone's car on, uh, on the (laughs) outlap and I blow a right front going into turn three on like one of the first laps come down pit road. We're three laps down and I passed so many cars that day. It wasn't even funny. It got to the point like where I get to a car, I'd be like, all right, I know where his weakness is already, so I'll just pass him right. It just got, it became a joke, like, how quickly I was passing people. Got back on the lead lap by the uh, by the time we got to a green-white checkered, and I was right behind Denny Hamlin, and I was like, all right. And my spotter is Chris Lambert. He's Denny oh, yeah. Hamlin's cup spotter. So he's he and I are like, all right, we're just following Denny. Whatever we do here, Denny's going to go into the front here, like, let's just do that well we didn't expect danny to make like the dumbest decision of his life and you didn't? choose the you longest line did, you didn't line. expect
2: that that was a surprise
3: it, to well i mean <laughs> come on <Right. laughs> oh wait he's a virginia boy so That's right. like Jesse, yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't
2: you don't want to throw shade to him we, <laughs> I we, know, I know. We, I, i'm just messing he's a he's a good yeah, driver yeah. i'm just i'm just joking go ahead sorry he
3: uh, well <laughs> you he picks the line <laughs> with like five extra cars in it and in the line where people didn't take tires so we lose like four rows. I was like, Oh my God. We could have restarted like 10th and instead we, Started behind Denny Hamlin, and we go green, and it's just like we're stopped in place, and we ended up like seventeenth. I, oh, so I hope you learned but, your lesson, Colin. I, hope you yeah. your lesson. <laughs> no following Denny. You would you would think following Denny Hamlin, darling. he is kind you of. You think that? No, yeah, there. you
1: would. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. true. That's that's yeah. true. Like, I mean, it's pretty much Pearson Hamlin. Those are the top two.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it didn't end up well, but it's just you know I don't get to do it every week. So like though, you look at those races, like man, if that just gone a little bit better, right. yeah. Hom- Homestead Miami, were running like thirteen. Have a loose wheel in the last pit stop, and I like twenty first. I mean, it's just little crap like that all yeah. the time. So, well, I hope
2: anyway. it. Uh, I hope whatever you got brewing, I hope it. I hope it works out, and you know, we will certainly be pulling for you and with whatever it ends up being. And uh, that's the kind of. I know it makes you nervous, and uh, but you're too talented of a driver. I mean, you've been you've been killing it in these uh these speed sport cars and the the t the SROS and the GTS. I mean, you're too good not to be driving somewhere. So I hope. I hope somebody comes to their senses and 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 brings you in and, and sponsors you and um, I, I really hope sooner rather than later and I'm sure that you do as well. Um, so well, thank you. Best yeah, of luck that. Uh, for that. We've got a few more just fun questions and then we we yeah. wrap you up. I know you want to. You've got your Lions game you want to get to and uh, we we've all, we've had you almost an hour. We can't we can't thank you enough again. So um, Travis, do you have anything in particular left you'd like to ask Colin?
0: I, I think we pretty much covered it. I, I was curious to know about 24, but uh, I ho- like, a, like you said, hopefully that works out well. I, I will ask this, Colin. Do you think that if 2020 had not ended the way that it did with the pandemic, do you think your racing career, the trajectory of it would be different?
3: Yes. So two things happened in 2020 that kind of killed us. So we went to Daytona and we DNQ'd at Daytona. That would have been big for us if we had made that race um mm-hmm. just team wise because uh we would have gone to miami in like two more weeks after that and been in on points and we would have had points in general we ended up DNQing. we had a terrible setup on the car and it just didn't go well i hit a gust of wind going into turn one got me bobbled and we just didn't have the straightaway speed that we needed to back end was way too high on the car we just we were we were good if we got gotten in the draft, but the problem is we had to make it to the draft first, so it right. wasn't ideal. Secondly, we were working on a big sponsorship deal, and they killed it because of COVID. So oh. it was kind of like – it was a big deal because, you know, we, we had the JGR support. It was our going to be our first kind of like full-time year, and then everything just kind of went down, downhill after that. So I think about that a lot, and I try not to, you know – make me sad but yeah if if those two things would have wouldn't have happened i think 2020 would have or it my whole career yeah. would have been different but there's nothing you can really do about it now so it, nope yeah
2: yeah so. stay positive and keep trucking you know there yeah. say, it sounds like you are you sound like a very positive upbeat individual and uh like i said earlier i really hope things work out for you yeah
1: uh, thank a- you andrew what what else you got no i think we're set i was i had a whole bunch of other questions but one thing I was going to ask, in your last series, did you race at VIR? Did you get to race at home?
3: Yeah, so I, uh, I got to race at home the, uh, the last two years. It's been super cool. I got to win at home. That was super awesome. got to experience that. A whole bunch of uh, family and friends were there. So that was, that was really cool and um you know i'd obviously grown up going to vir as a kid so that was that was awesome and then this past year just swept both races i got taken out literally on the last lap i led the entire race and oh. my main competitor this year just cleaned me out and uh he got penalized i ended up fourth and then mm. the second race on sunday we had to rebuild the car and there is a uh, misjudgment on some measurements and i ended up having my toe was an inch out in the front so I had zero straightaway speed at all, Ooh. and uh, but we still finished second. So it was actually – it was pretty good. But I literally – I got to the lead on the first lap in the second race. And down the back stretch, I was like, all right, I'm going to just you know settle in here, get into a groove. My main competitor was two cars behind me, so not a problem, and uh, just you know get it done. And uh, the car behind me literally – drives past me like i have the e-brake on like pulls out passes me and pulls back in line by the time we get through the brakes on i was like what is happening and uh we found out once we got back to the shop that's what happened but yeah vir is is super cool it's uh it's been been good to me but also this past year has kind of sucked too so yeah
2: (laughs) a mixture all right so these are just some kind of fun questions and i've kind of got a a, sort of serious one at the end that we finish all of our interviews with so this just kind of humorous with some of these answers um and they're not, It just kind of, you know, let's get to know Colin Garrett a little bit more. What do you like to do when you're not racing? Like, what's your favorite off-track hobby?
3: I am a huge mountain biker. I have started doing, like, downhill stuff. I hate cross-country. Like, I don't go to Mazeppa Park to, you know, just kind of ride around up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I did that when I lived there. It sucked. Um, so, I started going to the mountains. I get, uh, get on ski lifts and I go downhill. Um, I love working on bikes. It's kind of like, kind of my passion, I guess you could say, outside of racing. But the problem is, is, I treat it like racing, so I can't have fun. Like it's it's weird. Like if we go to a bike park or something, I can, I can have fun, whatever. But like I'm always like, all right, I need this tire compound for this. It's a little slick, so we got to you know do this. How can I be faster here? It's <laughs> you know I bring the racing mentality into yeah, it, and like uh, it gets a little person. ridiculous. Yeah, well, exactly, I didn't know you so. could
2: take a. I didn't know you could take a ski lift to the top of a mountain and ride a bike
3: down. I know you could you do that. never pedal a bike again. Pedaling is for losers. <laughs> I love
1: <it. laughs> Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I, I love I, that. Yeah.
3: That's,
2: that's all right. You that sounded like, the.
3: Get a, go ahead. Did, well, you still get a workout of it. Cause you're just barreling downhill oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. and everything. I mean, it's like riding a dirt bike at that point. Like you're just flat out downhill. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's so different. It's, I it's guess awesome. the
2: Virginia I, Creeper Trail is not to that extreme, but it's downhill the whole way, isn't? it? I'm sure you've probably ridden that.
3: Um, I have never ridden that, but um, it doesn't have a ski. Yeah, it may it not be downhill, as, but extreme it's
2: extreme enough for you. Yeah, there's it's no, not ski exactly yet. yeah,
3: yeah. So, All
2: right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Other than your home track, what's your second favorite track to race at in in the world?
3: Well, hmm. I hate Sebring, but I've become Mr. Sebring in the last two years, so I. Kind of love it. I've swept it the last two years and it's been just, it's been a really good track to me. It's
2: natural to Um, like where you're good at. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So Road America, um, you know, I talked about them repaving South Austin earlier. They repaved Road America this year and I swept that place. So um, I used to hate it, but now I love it. So yeah, it's awesome. But as far as like views or something, I guess, like uh, us just overall scenery, Sonoma is awesome. I don't know if you guys had the opportunity to go to Sonoma, but Mm -hmm. Sonoma in the spring is beautiful um mm. you you know you're right there by san francisco bay you've got the fog that rolls in in the morning and the mountains off in the distance going down the back stretch like turn seven area around sonoma when you're coming down that hill mm-hmm. you can just what lo- you see the mountains off in the distance it's like it's one of the coolest things ever um now do you guys
1: it, do you guys run the full course there or do you cut it off like nascar does
3: uh, we run it like NASCAR did a couple okay. of years ago. We run the full. When you ran, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. okay, because yeah, yeah. I
1: find so. it interesting when like Indy would go there. They would come up, you know, they'd turn back almost a U-turn at what's turn four, and then they come back down the drag strip. It, it added like a mile to the length of that thing. But it's I've yeah, always wanted yeah. to go out there. It's, it looks beautiful, and it's you know it's never going to be terribly hot. Um,
3: it's funny because I went out there for the sports car stuff in 2022 in April. And it, like I said, it was beautiful. I did the track walk there. And that was honestly one of those times where it was like, if I never race again, like this is, this is like, I'm content. Like this is super <laughs> cool. There's sheep <laughs> off in the distance. I came back like a month later in May or June or whatever for the NASCAR truck race, which I didn't end up racing because the whole drug test thing didn't get back in time, whatever, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that place sucked. Everything was on fire. Everything was dead. It was gross. So go in the spring. If you're going to go the spring or the fall, are the best times to go.
1: <laughs>
2: <But>
3: <laughs> summer sucks.
2: All right. If you were going to a concert, who would you
3: pay most to see? I am a uh, not a conventional music lover. I a lot of people always say you know like, "Oh, what do you listen to?" And they say everything. I listen to literally everything. I mean, I don't care what it is. I can I can find a version of it that I like. If I'm going to a concert though, I don't like chill concerts where you just kind of like hanging out. I like deathcore. I I don't know if you know anything about that, but like just heavy metal.
2: Okay. Um, Just cutting it loose. Cutting it loose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: That's that's my kind of deal. You know, you go to a little dive bar or something and it's just like, you know, 200 people in there and it's brutal and I love it. And yeah. So,
2: all right. So, uh, last book read or most recent Netflix series watched or whatever streaming service, uh that you use last uh, last good series that you watched
3: so the last book i've read i'm actually reading a book right now um it's by mark sinnett and it's about his uh his uh quest i will call it um his mission to find sandy irvine and george mallory i guess they already found george mallory but sandy irvine on top of mount everest so it was about their 2019 uh expedition up there they had a movie about it on National Geographic a couple of years ago, and I'm currently reading his book um, about it. I bought it a couple years ago, and I just hadn't read it, so I'm finally reading it now. As far as Netflix series or whatever, I just finished, actually, I guess it's on Hulu, uh, The Bear, um, with Jeremy Allen White in it.
1: Yes, it's, that did really uh, well at uh, the, the, the awards, Emmys. Uh, some, yeah, yeah. Emmys and yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: I'd been hearing about it, and then I saw it won that, and I'm not interested in cooking at all. I ended up watching it. I was like, "Oh, this is actually pretty good." Like, I, you know, I got quite invested in it. It's, it's a good series. So, even if you don't care about cooking, like, it's, it was good. So.
2: All right. Well, speaking of cooking, this is the last one. Let's say uh, let's pretend uh, that you're on death row. All right, Mm -mm. and you are as the night before your execution. Uh, What would be in your last meal?
3: You could just say like your birthday dinner or
2: something.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but that wouldn't have been interesting at all.
3: Uh, I would go for, there's a restaurant by a uh, house in Halifax, Virginia, right north of South Boston uh, called Molasses Grill. And, uh, I would have their, uh, filet mignon from there and I'd get done uh, Pittsburgh rare. I don't know if you guys ever tried that, but Pittsburgh rare on a steak, mint. It's awesome. I love it. That's, I get it. I've been getting it every day or every weekend since I was like eight, I get literally the same thing. It's hilarious. I go in there. Everyone knows already knows what I'm getting. Every time we have a new waitress, it's hilarious because everyone just kind of gives them a hard time because they have no idea. If, like that, <laughs> I've been getting the exact same thing for 15 years now or whatever. Did you say is, Pittsburgh so. rare? Pittsburgh rare, yeah. So huh. it's where they, uh, they get the uh, cooking surface like insanely hot. They'll cover the steak in like pepper and everything, and then they just sear the outside of the steak where it becomes like a Crusty uh, outside, like kind of a crunchy outside, and then the inside of it is just like perfectly rare. Like it's on, it's on the rare side of rare. Like it's, yeah, it's the rare it's side awesome. of rare. Hmm.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, that's so.
3: interesting. Good, good to yeah. know. And a Caesar salad on top of that. As so. I
2: was going to say, what's your, what's your side? Yeah. A Caesar salad on top of that. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. All right, and our last one, our serious one. If there was uh, one person you could spend 15 minutes with, uh, living, it uh, could be s- still living or they've passed on. Uh could be in motorsports or just life in general. One person you'd like to spend fifteen minutes or fifteen more minutes with if you had if you could choose.
3: Yeah, so I actually just got asked this question the other day on another podcast. It's, they stole, they it, from stole us. it from us. <laughs> yes, they I did. know, I know, they I'm sure to. they did, yeah. They had to. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's like, Don't put me in the
3: middle we have been asking that question for five years.
1: Yeah. But anyway. It's an original yeah. question.
2: Yeah, you
3: know. <laughs> um I don't know I miss it it's so hard man like you go through the history of books and it's like there's so many people that I a look up to or just be like just you know have a general interest in and I don't know I've had so many role models I mean obviously the easy answer would be like Lewis Hampton or somebody but that's also kind of stupid because I could I'm probably like two or three people away from maybe even doing that in real life so well you should tell me about I, blind spotting them yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah you talk to him that's yeah. your first thing tell him about that yeah i've got a buddy that's a uh that's the head of uh mercedes security for like the midwest or something like that and uh he does all the american and american and canadian f1 races so he's with lewis kind of all the time which is kind of cool so i'm always like can you can you uh, get me to like meet him or something he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh I, yeah i mean lewis Hamilton would be cool obviously um but if, if you're not going to go motorsports, I mean, you go climbing like Alex Honnold or someone, I don't know if you guys saw the movie free solo. I mean, he's a super cool guy. Okay. Um, the way his mind works is super interesting. Um, racing back in the day, maybe like a Nikki Lauda or oh, yeah. mm-hmm. James Hunt or someone like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't have a good answer for it. It's, it's so difficult. And especially cause I don't, I, you know, growing up, I had a big role model and like Lewis Hampton or Jeff Gordon or somebody. But nowadays, like, it's just like, it's whatever. Like I, I kind of pull from everybody and that's definitely, that's
2: that's why we ask it. It's always, uh, we get interesting interesting. answers and it's not an easy question if you really think about it, but yeah, you you gave us some good ones there and I I appreciate you, uh, delving into that. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, giving us uh, some good answers there. So that that kind of wraps it up. Unless Andrew, you got something else? Nope. uh, we're Do you also, have anybody, any sponsors you'd like to mention or anything else you'd like to share uh, for uh, anybody that might uh, hear hear our program?
3: Well, I don't really have any sponsors. That's my whole problem with the <laughs> racing thing, I right so, uh, No, I have a whole lot of partners, you know, just everyone that helps us with the 1111 11, uh, Veteran Project that has been a part of us for the last four years, five years. It's been super awesome to work with everybody. You know, go to 1111 com. You can check out everyone there. Um mm-hmm my parents, you know, I've been a big part of it. So yeah, just everyone, everyone's been involved with us. Um, yeah, that's a big thank you to all of them. Hopefully our future sponsors, you know, come out and help us. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, not many sponsors right now. So hopefully well, we can Well, if we were independently wealthy
2: and had that's just right. money to throw around, we'd certainly, uh, it sounds like you're, <laughs> you've got a lot of, uh, we, we would be interested in sponsoring, but we don't have that much expendable income. Yeah, we right would now, look so. for our own sponsors
1: too. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah, thank you, guys you for, your... look
3: for sponsorship for yourself and me.
1: That's oh, we <laughs> could we could partner deal. <laughs> um, so, Colin, thanks for this, and um, we'll let you go. I know the lines are getting ready to kick off, and your Instagram is at Colin Garrett Web two two R's two T's. And um, I guess with that, we'll um, we'll we'll sign off. And uh, this has been uh, Blind Spotting, and for Michael Colberth and Travis Cheryl, I'm Andrew Coates, and And thank you for listening.
3: Thanks, Colin. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you.